time is it? It's Queen County Time! Welcome to the Queen County Time Podcast. I'm Aaron Sorrell. And I'm Brian Atkinson. Today our guest is Jeff Shaw. Jeff Shaw is a wonderful comedian who, when he is not living on a cruise ship, is based in Cleveland, born and raised there. And he's done his uh, first drive art special called Manly Girly Man, and his brand new album, Jeff with Two Fs, has just hit number one. And we are so delighted to have him on the show to talk about the good, the bad, and the funny. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I'm Jane Lynch, and welcome to Hollywood Game Night. <laughs> You laugh, but somebody actually said to me, has anybody ever told you that you look like the actress Jane Lynch? I said, no, you're the first. Everybody else has been polite enough to just think it. (laughs) At least once a week, somebody will say, hey, Jeff, that's not your real voice, is it? I say, oh, no, of course not. My real voice makes me sound like a woman, so I use this manly one instead. If I were using my real voice, you'd be thinking, hey, look, Ellen really let herself go. (laughs) I hope she still has stuff to give away. (laughs) The cool thing about my voice is if I ever go into politics, this voice will protect me from political scandals. I did not have romantic relations with that woman. Oh, don't worry, dude. We believe you. Yeah, it's going to be hard to keep me and Brian apart. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right, right. You guys are on two opposite sides of the spectrum there. He's got a radio voice, and I have a voice for the test of the emergency broadcast system. Perfect. (laughs) Fortunately, I have a face for radio, so it works out just fine. (laughs) Hey-oh. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show today. Jane, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Jeff, Jeff, not Jane. It's not actually Jeff. Aaron, You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Uh, Fair enough. Hi, guys. Hi. Again, Jeff, it's just a delight to have you on the show. Um, For those of you who are listening to our show, of course, you wouldn't be hearing my voice otherwise, otherwise it's just the three of us. Uh, This is a little different for us because we have not had Jeff on our uh, show yet. We've not uh, met. We just, you know, in the circles we run in and stuff, uh, Jeff reached out to us and said he'd like to be on the podcast, which was great. We're delighted to have him here. And uh, he's kind of a big deal. Uh, So uh, if uh, you guys are not familiar with Jeff Shaw, you need to get familiar and we're going to do our best to make sure that uh, you understand who he is. Uh, Jeff, uh, I got to ask just a couple of questions um, right of the gate. Whenever a, a comic is kind of up and coming, they're figuring out who they are, what's their stuff. They always talk about finding their voice. And uh, how, did, how did you find your voice? How did I find my voice? Well, I inhaled a helium balloon at my fifth birthday party and my voice hasn't changed since. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually me on helium. So. <laughs> oh, go, go uh, brag. Yeah, uh, you you sound like Barry White, and I sound like Betty White. 
Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and Aaron just sounds like a white guy. So <laughs> for me, it wasn't so much finding my voice as it was learning to become comfortable listening to my voice. But if you're talking about uh, the metaphorical comedic voice of uh, learning how to express yourself and what you want to talk about, um, that took a long time. I didn't discover that until over the past five years or so. Yeah, I know that um, sometimes the process starts with, well, what's the one thing about you that is different, unique, special? We, we've talked to a number of comics so uh, over the last uh, season, our first season. We're in our second season now that uh, they've got the thing that is uh, just for them. I, th I think for me, it's my voice. For you, it's it's your voice. But also, for, if you're not familiar with uh, Jeff, the way he looks, he really does look like the actress Jane Lynch uh, at, at a distance with uh, with uh, no glasses. On. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. You had to qualify. You had to take that away from me. You just couldn't, oh. <laughs> you just couldn't let me look like Jane Lynch. <laughs> You know, that's the one thing I'm proud of. And you had to like diminish it. Like, I don't really look like her. Yeah. Uh, is that a a bit that's been around with you for a while? Or is that something that's just been in the last few years that, that oh, you've no, but kind it's of a, it's a, been a while. I don't even use it. I don't even do it anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, was, that album was recorded a year ago. Mm. Uh, that's not really see. That's just like, that's just a joke to get people to like you. I mean, you don't, you don't base yeah. an act on looking like somebody or this or that, whatever. Um, I think uh, when you're talking about finding your comedic voice, uh, the big problem is everyone in the industry wants comedians with a, a point of view. And the reason why it took me so long to develop my comedic voice or develop a point of view is nobody could explain to me what that was. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, until I read Judy Carter's book, The Comedy Bible, oh, okay. uh, I have I've had. I've had like dinner with big name agents like Judy Brown and in the past and uh, folks from just for laughs. And they kept telling me I needed a point of view. And I, I swear to you, I could not for the life of me, like understand what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like they were going, you know, like uh, talking about driving in Kentucky is not a point of view, but I don't like driving in Kentucky. That is my point of view. Controllable <laughs> drivers. Yeah, uh, So I didn't understand what she meant. And for everyone here who's starting comedy, I mean, um, the problem with being a young comedian is the people that are the gatekeepers that are trying to instruct you and trying to steer you in the right direction. They don't know how to articulate what it is they're trying to tell you. So I'm going to um, for everyone who's listening, who's a, a comic, trying to find their comedic voice when a booker for television or um, a big comedy chain tells you that you're not ready for their club or their show because you don't have, you lack a distinct comedic voice or you don't have a point of view. It's, it's very simple. I wish somebody had told me this 10 years ago. What that means is that your comedy, you are using stand-up comedy to solve problems or issues in your life or the life of others, offering an insight into issues, stumbling blocks, challenges, uh, weird things that we all have to put up with or deal with that stress us out, to isolate problems in life and in society, and then apply a philosophy or a different way of looking at things that offer up a solution um, or an insight into, um, uh, into the human condition. So if you take, say, a book on relationships, 
uh, 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 where like people are trying to learn like you know how to make a relationships better. Um, a joke like from Rodney Dangerfield, like uh, well, Henny Youngman, the you know take take my wife please. Uh, you know. Yeah, or like the only thing my wife and I fight about is sex. She charges me too much. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, um, that is a joke. That may have taken a, a Rodney Dangerfield 10 years to learn how to write, but it is a joke that produces laughter by manipulating language and applying comedic formulas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is the type of humor that takes young comedians five, 10 years to master. And when they've mastered writing a joke like that, they feel like they are ready to be stars. And then someone comes along and says they don't have a, a point of view. They don't know what they're talking about. Now, here is a similar, uh, similarly structured joke, a one-liner that is that is um, oozing point of view and voice. It's a it's a line from Mitch Hedberg. Um, I don't have I don't have a girlfriend, but I do know somebody who would be very angry if she heard that. <laughs> now that joke. Uh, that's that's, not, that's a random... not a bad uh, impression of him either. Right. Yeah. But, but that's a one-liner joke. The difference is, is that joke is saying something. It's saying that um, all too often in relationships, the two people in a relationship have a different idea of what that relationship means. Hmm. Yeah. And so when you use humor to make a point about real human dynamics and about uh, uh, relationship dynamics or about things you're going through and you talk about what it's really like in your life, that is having a point of view. And it's so difficult to learn how to write jokes that comics feel like they have one. Like I, I'm here, I'm ready. I, I, I write jokes. I have an act. And then somebody comes along and says, you need a point of view. They don't understand what they mean. And what they mean is, is that you're stuck in an intermediate level of expression. You're in junior high. Now, you, uh, at, at, back in the 80s, uh, just being able to write jokes set you apart. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, the, the first person who played guitar, like in the 1700s, everyone's going, oh, my God, what is that instrument? Oh, amazing. <laughs> but now you walk into a guitar center and you can hear, you know, four-year-olds playing, you know, um, Van Halen tunes. Sure. So nobody, nobody is impressed by a bar band. You go, you go, you go into into a, a bar and you see a band. I see in Nashville, and there's a, a band playing, and the musicians have all been mastering their instrument for twenty or thirty years. You see them playing, and you just talk louder so your friends can hear you. Yeah. But if you go see Brad Paisley play, or um, you know, um, or uh, you go to a Garth Brooks concert, or you go see Metallica or, or Steve Vai, it's artistry on a completely different level. And then now you're paying attention. The thing is, is comedy was always something to marvel at because so few people could actually even master the form. So mm-hmm. now it's becoming like a vernacular. It's because people communicating in comedy, using comedy to express themselves in bars, coffee shops, um, uh, homemade videos for YouTube channels and stuff like that. People using stand-up comedy um, – to express themselves is like so commonplace these days, you know, that you can't, you don't get a cookie just for being able to write a punchline. So now with the comedy world, what the comedy machines looking for is not comedians who can write jokes. Anybody can do that. Now it's, it's people who can help raise our level of consciousness as a culture who can help 
people grapple with their problems, you know, to, uh, uh, you know, people like Lori Kilmartin, who has a, a book on grief and a couple of uh, albums about uh, grieving her parents. You know, she has this, um, she has this album called 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. And she, that's an hour's worth of comedy of her coming to terms with her father's death that other people can listen to and help them get through, you know what I mean? But but doing a joke, yeah, my dad can't figure out the answering machine. You know what I mean? That's a joke, but there's no voice there because it's all about what kind of, so when you, when you, the, the, you know that you're, you are developing a voice as a comedian when you start writing jokes with, man, that pisses me up, or man, that, or this really bothers me. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I want to go talk about this. Yeah. You know, and so, like, so if you walk into, if you walk into Walmart and you pull out your notebook and going, okay, what can I make fun of in Walmart? Uh, the yellow vest, the rollback sign, um, uh, the fact that there's all these checkouts but no, uh, no um, cashiers. Or they call it self-checkout, but then all the cashiers come and help you anyway. You know, so if you're doing that, that's not having a voice. That's trying to mechanically create comedy. But if you walk into Walmart and your first thought is, this is an evil corporation. All these people here are, are, are making eight bucks an hour. They can't even afford to shop here. And yet I'm not going to go anyplace else because I need to save money. So what a loser am I? That you know uh, that uh, I want to. I'm 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 too much of a loser to even protest Walmart. Yeah, yeah. All right. And I'm not saying it's a viable premise, but you're you're thinking that as you go into Walmart, and then you decide I'm going to talk about this feeling on stage. You're not going into Walmart looking around, going, "What can I make fun of?" You walk into Walmart. You have a thought about your life and what it means to you to be in Walmart. Do you feel good? Do you feel bad? Are you embarrassed? You know. Do you know that this stuff? is being produced at very low cost and people being exploited, but do you buy it anyway? And how do you feel about that? Definitely embarrassed. Definitely for me. That's definitely where I sit on that. So that is how also, so when you, when you take these two things together, when you realize what having a comedic voice is and what having something to say means, then what you see is there's no such thing as hack topics or subjects because um, a, a really good comedian uh, could come in like a Louis C.K. or uh, Bill Burr could probably have you in stitches talking about the self-checkout aisles at uh, Walmart because it'll be from a real uh, different angle about who we are as a people, who we are individually, and how corporate America is trying to take over the country. You know, just like how many people have done jokes about flying, but then Louis C.K.'s first viral moment like 10 years ago, I think it was either on a Tonight Show or Conan O'Brien talking about how people are complaining about air travel, but they don't, they're not, they're not reveling in the magic that you're in a box in the air getting from New York to LA in five hours. Mm -hmm. And you're complaining about a 30 minute delay and the, and the lack of uh, peanuts. You know what I mean? So that is still an airline bit for all intents and purposes. But the way that they, the, uh, why he decided to tell that joke and what he's trying to say, and that's how you really. And, and the thing is, um, the best way to become a better comedian is to have better, better ideas, better thoughts. It's not so much about the jokes; 
as it is the ideas behind the jokes, you know, and that's why you see so many comedians um, will make it very, very quickly. Uh, and in five years, I'll have a Netflix special, whereas other comedians will spend 20 years on the road and they and, you know, they're still struggling um, because some people never learn how to how to think or express themselves. And that's why I think um, people who uh, graduate college or have had some kind of job in writing or performing um, always gravitate towards comedy uh, more easily. And I think excel more quickly because uh, uh, you're going to be a much better comedian if you, if you um, had to write papers in school, you know, thoroughly. Yeah. Learning what a thesis statement is learning how to uh, argue you know, and, you know, when you see a Bill Burr or a Nick DiPaolo or something like that, they're basically just creating like written arguments the way a, 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 a lawyer would, you know, yeah. and, and there are watching there are, the logical fallacies and yeah. constructing around those. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. So um, now me, the best I can do is just to apply comedic sense of uh, a more uh, modern comedic sensibilities to what I do. But no matter how hard I try my jokes are going to always be my style. Just like Mitch Hedberg um, was one-liners. Mm -hmm. Mine are kind of like one-liners, but with act outs and stuff. And so I, and so I try to be saying something with every one of my jokes, but it's not anything that important. You know what I mean? Sure. You don't really need to, though. I mean, uh, people can, as long as people get a sense of who you are and 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 they like you, and 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 if you if you are true to yourself, um, then your voice will come through. It may it might be the voice that's going to get you a Netflix special, or you know, uh, because you can you can you can have an like me. I, I think I am who I am on stage, and I think that that uh, who I am off stage on stage are very close. But that doesn't mean I'm anybody. Uh, 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 that doesn't mean that I'm interesting enough to become a star or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not that's not that's not the goal. Uh, the goal is to uh, you know try to uh, figure out who you are and and be true to that. But uh, at the same time, I am constantly trying to um, what I do. What I find that a lot of comics can do when trying to. Um, to find out, you know, make their comedy more truthful is keep the jokes that you have. What I do all the time is I just try to write setups or premises for jokes I already have because I realized I wouldn't have written that joke if there wasn't a reason for it, mm -hmm. you know? But the thing is, is that reason is not coming across. It's just coming across as a formulaic joke. So, like, I have some great jokes about, you know, being a smart aleck to use car salesman. And if I just go, the car salesman said this to me and I said this to him, then it's just like a 1950s or 60s or 70s one-liner exchange and it's kind of hacky. Yeah. But if I talk about how um, I um, have always felt intimidated around alpha males when I was younger um, because uh, I'm a little more effeminate or I don't have a very deep voice uh, and that I never bonded until I grew up and I realized that they don't want me to be an alpha male. Yeah. You know what I mean, alpha males want to be alpha males. And if you have a sense of humor and you're cool and you're respectful, got uh, dudes are going to like you. And so, um, you know, if you can make a used car salesman laugh, then you're in. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's, he's not going to try to, you know, so that's where, I, you know, um, 
I like situations where I'm dealing with guys that people don't like to deal with because my voice, my demeanor not being threatening allows me to like, uh, to have the upper hand with these guys and not be intimidated. And so now all of a sudden, now that you know this, then that bit about me buying my car has a whole different reason to exist. And, uh, and the art of comedy uh, uh, is to uh, find a way of imbuing your jokes, your act, your routines, your chunks with um, a sense of purpose and enough premise and enough um, logic behind the bits that you're doing. So people have a sense of why you're doing the joke. All you really need to have a point of view in comedy is for people to see your jokes and know why you're telling them. You love your parents, but your parents drove you crazy and you hated your parents. But now you're trying to come to terms because you realize they're just normal people and you, and you feel sorry for them and you're mad at yourself for ever hating them. Okay, but if you're just if you're just going, my parents are such jerks, then you're just a person trying to fill 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, well, I feel like this has been our uh, first ever uh, master class on finding your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, follow up to that. Um, one of the things that I've had people coach me on is they kind of say, pick an emotion first. If if you don't find yourself um, instantly reacting to a situation, but to pick an emotion, pick whether it's, you know, anger or sadness or disgust or, you know, whatever they are and say, okay, let me look at this situation with that lens and, and then to help you figure out, was that how I really feel? Or is that a struggle? Um, you know, this, you know, going way back to somebody who's really starting out, um, trying to develop that thing. And, and for me, there's a certain level of anger always seems to work for me where I find myself looking at a situation that honks me off and I, Oh, there, there it is. Um, and, and, and then some, to some degree, how do I, how do I feel better about that? What's the thing that I won't say? Well, I wouldn't really say, but I do. Um, that's, that's kind of where my brain goes on that. And that's, how I've been developing that kind of stuff. But have you found that a particular emotional perspective helps you with your comedic voice? Um, that uh, all, everything you just said makes perfect sense. And it's kind of like what I was talking about, like going into Walmart, yeah. like, like how, how I feel like, so like that, like, like a feeling like a schmuck because you shouldn't be shopping here, you know, is an emotion, you know, or feeling sorry for, or, or looking at seeing how, um, um, or looking at like the other people shopping and realizing, you know, looking at these people waiting in line and seeing what they're buying, you realize that these are the people that maybe are MAGA voters or whatever. And like, you can just tell they're wonderful people just by looking at them. So why are we all fighting? You know, I mean, there's so many emotions that you can have when you're out out in public looking at people, you know, some guy, you know, I saw a couple of big like um redneck guys at Dennis the other day, like big guys that look like they're like, you know, like that belong to a paramilitary group or whatever. You know, they had like, you know, the camouflage on and everything and mm-hmm. tattoos. So you were in Michigan then, basically. Uh, <laughs> I was in Indiana. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh and they had two little girls. They looked like twins or they could have been your part, but they're just, you know, two toddlers, you know, with their little their little chocolate chip pancakes and their and coloring. 
and and the two guys was I, I figured were like father and uncle, you know, mm-hmm. um, were as sweet to the girls and you know held their hand as they walked out. And I go, that's all you need to know right there about those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here I am in Denny's. Now, if I wanted to, I could do a bit about that. I could do a bit about how you know you, you, you don't judge someone until you see how he treats their children, or how about how. You know, isn't it ridiculous that we judge people when you see you know, when you see you can see the humanity in people if you look close enough. Now, that's not really a one liner joke. That could be a whole one man show. That could be a, five, a 10 minute hunk. Yeah. That could be something maybe Dave Chappelle could handle. I don't know if I have the tools to, to, to really do justice to a bit like that. But, but do you see by having an emotion, whether it's like, wow, those guys seem to be a good father and a good uncle or or like, wow, man. You know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm such a loser that I'm afraid to have kids. But these two redneck knuckleheads seem to be doing okay. You know, you can go in any any direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it all it all starts with the idea. It doesn't start with, hey, what's on the menu that sounds funny that I can make a joke about? Jokes over my hammy. Oh, I can say it's joke over you know my Tammy or whatever. Or <laughs> Or like, you know, or like, you know, um, it, it's, is everything tasting okay? Um, why don't you tell me and start chewing with your mouth open? There all these ridiculous things that, that young comedians try to write jokes about based on going, okay, let me see Denny's. Um, what can I make fun of? Grand Slam. Oh, yeah, I had the Grand Slam breakfast. You know what I mean? So that is, and nobody tells comics that if you want to write a joke about Denny's, you go into Denny's and you go, what do you feel for the waitress? Do, 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 do you respect her because how hard she's working? Or are you mad that she has no customer service skills and nobody bothered to teach her how? You know, Here's a person yeah. who relies on this job, but she's not going to be any good at it because she doesn't know how to wait tables. You know, There's a million emotions you can have. But like you said, it all starts with an emotion and it all starts with, you know, looking at a situation and thinking comedy starts with thinking. So I tell guys that like, I like your idea of like, you know, um, maybe not so much as like trying to figure out what emotion, but keeping track of your emotions. If something scares you, if something makes you feel uncomfortable, if something makes you feel anxious, if something embarrasses you, write that down. Like, like don't go like what scares me, what hurts me, what embarrasses me. Mm-hmm. When something, when you have a feeling about something and something touches a nerve, then you can isolate it. Why do I feel that way? Am I embarrassed? Am I hurt? So you don't have to go looking for certain emotions to write about. But when you sense an emotion coming out of you in a situation, or you sense like you um, go, like your, your, your rental car takes 15 minutes to be ready for you and you find yourself losing your temper, what does that mean? Why are you so angry? What does that say about yourself? You know, is the service really that bad or it, 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 are you impatient? So now you have something to work with, you know, and depending on if you're a comic who works outward, you know, or if you're a comic that works inward, if you're a comic that relies on heart, hyperbole and exaggerates situations, or if you're someone who likes to keep it real and really get to the root of an issue, um, all that informs your your comedy and, and also kind of dictates the style or the, 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 um, the lane you're going to take, you know? Um, So um, what I tell guys is um, don't write jokes. I tell young guys, like, don't write 10 jokes. If you write 10 jokes a day, write 20 jokes, you know? Yeah, sure. Guys will sit down and go, I'm going to write 10 jokes a day. No, put down 10 thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I hate going to parties because I'm always embarrassed by blank. Or, um, or and that here's what you can put, like like uh, uh, if you want to put like like say three things that scare you. I I hate going to job interviews because, or things that uh, that embarrass you. I hate doing this because. That is a good writing exercise because now you are you are trying to come up with thoughts about things that bother you, things that scare you, things that, uh, and all comedy, if you read Judy Carver's book, comes from the, the five attitudes. What is weird, hard, um, scary, or oh, there's one more, weird, hard, weird, hard, scary, um, or stupid, so there's four, about any situation. Mm-hmm. And then a premise is an insight into what why something is weird or stupid. Like, like if you want to say, um, me, uh, I have a premise recently. I, I like being 55. The weird thing about being 55 is, is nobody, you, 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 you don't have to try as hard anymore. Nobody, um, n- nobody cares what you look like. You don't have to dress to impress. People are just impressed. You're dressed, <laughs> you know, when you're, yeah. and then you got the word that wordplay to go with that. Exactly. And see, yeah. That is how that wordplay right there and that symmetry, you know, mm-hmm. that, 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 that's a formula. Yeah. But that formula is in service to the premise I'm trying to make and the yeah. insight I'm trying to make. Not the, the other way is, around. Yeah. And Bill Burr, uh, uh, even Chris Rock, like even uh, like if you watch Will Rice, go, really? Well, that's kind of like blank. But like, you yeah. know, uh, women are like this and guys are like this. You know, he's using formulas too. All the great comics use formulas and 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 structure. You know, um, and if you watch, if you watch, uh, if you watch Trevor Noah, which is like one of the greatest half hours of comedy every night, right? You know, all, uh, he'll go into like really deep um, uh, observations about you know what's going on in the news and what it means. Yeah. But he'll say, you mean to tell me that blank or that's kind of yeah. saying blank is kind of like blank. And uh, what what I would love to see the Republicans do is this. Or wouldn't it be funny if we turned on the news tomorrow and saw the Democrats do this? Yeah. OK, it's still but, exaggerate and extrapolate. Right. But it's starting with because if you watch him interview, I, I actually I'm just so auditory. I, I listen to his podcast version the next day. Um it's just this deep, caring, the most serious interview you'll hear on any late night show. And then he'll take it in another direction after he's been serious. So he's got to establish that. Why do I care? Why should I care about this? Why is this terrible? Or, or as you, you mentioned from the book there, what, why is this weird or hard or scary or stupid? And then what? Yeah, exactly, and uh, and but also too, not not only is are his interviews great, but if you look at the bits that they do, you know the the field pieces or even like his monologue jokes of all the over the shoulder shots with you know with the, the you know the pictures and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't just do punchlines; he does act outs, and he you know like like that uh, like uh, uh, you know he'll say like uh, if you look at Mitch McConnell, you know he's thinking this, and then he'll do a Mitch McConnell impression or whatever. Um, but all of that, but the point he's making is usually like razor sharp, just destroying these people, just just ripping them apart for their hypocrisy and um, and their stupidity. And, and it's but 
uh, and it's angles. And a lot of times I never would have thought from watching that news story. But my point was the entry into those observations, those act outs, those cutting lines are super formulaic. Watching the Republicans say this, Mitch McConnell saying blank is like so-and-so saying whatever is as basic as you can get. So, um, but those formulas are in service to the ideas of Trevor Noah, the um, insight, ideas, and passion of the writers of what they're trying to say um, uh, about American society. Whereas most comics stop at mastering the formulas and are so happy with themselves being able to employ the formulas that they never get to the next level, that they use those formulas or they use their skill as a comedian to say anything. And, and the whole, and, and the thing is though, you don't really, and, and some people mistake saying something um, about with their comedy with having to have an opinion on hot button button issues. Um, you can, um, uh, you can have an opinion about being a parent that's not groundbreaking, but if people can, you know, like, like there's a show, it's called working moms. Mm -hmm. It's on, it's on, on Netflix. It's a half hour comedy. And I think the two women who, um, who write it and produce it, I don't know if they were standups, but I do believe that they became YouTube sensations. Like, like these, this show started as little videos that they did themselves yeah. Um, and anybody who knows me is I love kids, but I have no interest in being a parent. And, you know, uh, the, I don't think there's a day gone by that I really think about what mothers go through. You know, it's not on my radar, you know, unless I, it's, it, unless it's, you know, my sisters or relatives or friends and I see them with their kids and, and, you know, and they're telling me a certain story, but you wouldn't think that I would want to watch a show about mothers trying to balance work and life. I'm not that demographic. And normally I could care less. And I'm sure there's a lot of comics who talk about uh, being a mother. And I use that as a chance to go to the bar and get some more chicken wings. But when I watch these two, (laughs) when I watch these, these shows, I'm laughing my butt off and I am, um, I'm just riveted because they do such a great job of, giving you an idea of what it's really like. And when you see somebody um, being human and failing yet picking themselves up and, and, and not giving up on their kids and not giving up on their spouse and not giving up on themselves and, you know, constantly, you know, running into, you know, challenges and stumbling blocks and, you know, being a working mother is so tough, but then, you know, the way that they, the angle they came at the thing, the premises they try, they prove in that show are relatable to anybody, whether you're single, whether you're a parent, whether you're a mother, or you're a son, you know what I mean? So that is what makes that show so wonderful, you know? And I think other people, and they created that show because they had something they wanted to say about being a mother. And you, and uh, you can you can be a doctor, you can be a truck driver, you could be uh, uh, you could be a toaster repairman. Um, if you have something that you want to say about that, you can become a good comedian. You know, um, uh, so to the extent that I can employ that, if you listen to my my album, I think there are some bits that 
that maybe have a point, but I realize that who I am as a human being, I'm not going to come up with anything that somebody hasn't put in an op-ed in the New York Times or or you haven't seen in a movie or Bill Burr hasn't already thought of. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I just want to be me on stage. And um, so what I learned is that uh, making sure that my uh, that I have a, an emotional relationship with my jokes and that, you know, uh, I want to talk about certain things that I want to talk about that you can still have a simple style like I do yet still have a little more depth. It it sounds to me, Jeff, like uh, what you're saying there is that, uh, you know, you, you've got to be accomplishing something uh, through, through comedy, even if it's, it's for yourself. And even if it's a simplistic thing, um, you, you know, you you have mentioned early on uh, that you ask yourself the question of what problem am I solving with this with this joke? And I, I think that's uh, paramount. And if you've got the confidence to get out and, and say that, uh, I think that's where it's at, my friend. Well, yeah, thanks. And here, let me give you an example. Um, uh, 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 I'm taping my second drive bar comedy special on March 12th and I've been running the set. And my new opening is uh, I went I went to Guitar Center today, and um, and uh, um, I didn't, you know. But for my style to go, I've often gone to I've been one time I went to Guitar Center or or, or what, the thing, you know, like it doesn't fit. Okay. Yeah. So to say today I went to, to the Guitar Center is is fine because where I go next is what. So if I went to Guitar Center today. And um, I wound up bumming out a teenager. I said, sorry, kid. No, I said, no, kid, I'm not Getty Lee from Rush. (laughs) Okay. Now, um, that has happened to me before. Kids have come up and said, are you Getty Lee, whatever? But it didn't happen like that. And also, all that is is somebody saying I look like somebody. Yeah. Here's where the premise comes. Um, which kind of bummed me out too, because the only thing worse than being a long-haired, a goofy-looking dude with long hair and a high voice is being the wrong goofy-looking dude with a long <laughs> hair and a high voice. All right, and, and so you just laugh. Now, there's nothing groundbreaking about that, but that is an insight to how I feel, and that is a premise. So I've uh, taken that bit above being hack because I'm giving you an idea of how I feel. Like, uh, it's not so much that I, uh, you know, uh, am a goofy look and I have a high voice, but I haven't found I haven't found a way yet to make me rich and famous with it. Like, Getty Lee is a god to so many musicians. Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm the guy people compare to Jane Lynch. You know what I mean? So yep. that's not all that's not all stated there. But my style is in such of a comic where I'm going to talk all that out, yep. you know, and then. Then when I do the other jokes, uh, when I go, um, uh, nothing. It, 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 the only thing worse is being a uh, the wrong goofy looking dude with long hair and a high voice. And I, uh, as I, are you the bass player from Rush? No, I'm the lead singer from Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> I, um, I don't like Ario Speedwagon. Well, in that case, I'm Owen Wilson with a nose job. Yeah. Uh, or if you talk to my father, Keith Urban's sister. So, so then you, you then I'm introducing the dynamic that my da- even my dad thinks I'm a girly man. There you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's my style. But I, 
I think I just caught on something there. You oh. said earlier um, that the, the premises that they prove, and this is the first time I've ever heard anybody say it, and it's striking me as I'm so dumb, I can't believe that's never occurred to me before. And then I heard you prove it um, through the last few things that you said about how you set up your premise of I'm the wrong kind of um, a girly man. Wrong kind of goofy looking dude. I'm not yeah, wrong kind of dude. Or, or, and, 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 uh, and then basically the overall, the overall takeaway to somebody watching me is um, anybody can be cool in the right context, if you accept who you are. And this guy's still grappling with it. Mm -hmm. you, you, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. I still have my, you know, my style of humor, but you get a sense of who I am. And that's what they want is a, a point of view. Because there are a lot of guys that are like, I mean, look at Adam Sandler. I mean, a lot of stuff that he was doing was just goofy and idiotic in the beginning. But it showed a real person and a real different point of view. So it was more than just a guy going, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? The, the, um, the, uh, those were tools to, to, to sell his vision, you know, to, 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 to sell his character. Well, the time has come on our little podcast to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites. We'll be right back. This pandemic has shown that nobody knows what tomorrow will bring. It's changed comedy. We miss performing in person. We're looking forward to laughing together again just as soon as it is safe and appropriate to do so. So what are we doing about that? Well, we are booking live shows for future dates. And while we ramp up, we're waiving deposits and cancellation fees. So contact us today to bring clean comedy time to your local comedy club, church, corporate event, or fundraiser. Whatever you got, we can be there. We are easy to find at cleancomedytime.com. Until then, stay home, stay safe, wear a mask, and wash your hands. Welcome back, Jeff. Uh, again, thank you so much uh, for that data download, that dump of information there. That's, uh, you know, uh, in inputting into our psyche, some of the things that you've learned over the years, uh, you know, as you know, because I know you've listened to a couple of these, uh, we, we tend to get a little bit deeper than just the technical process behind uh, writing. Typically, I like to find out what's going well with our guests and also uh, even some things that they're struggling with. So Jeff, you mind me asking what's, what's going well in your life right now? Um, well, I don't know how to answer that question. Cause um, uh, I, I don't think like that. Uh, my life is a constant struggle because uh, I have really bad ADD and OCD. So that's always going to, that's always going to be something I'm constantly dealing with. So I, I don't, you know, I guess what's uh, so, uh, so I don't know that, that, that question doesn't really, speak to how I think about things. Can you be a little more specific? Like, what do you mean by going well or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and well, I mean, that's, that's an interesting point that, uh, that, that you say there, uh, you said you've struggled with, uh, ADD. And OCD. Yeah. My, my entire life. So my OCD is bad enough that I have to put it in alphabetical order. It's CDO. Well, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I like that. 
And um, uh, well, here, okay, I think I understand where you're going with this. Uh, uh, what's going bad is uh, I'm at my wits' end with this pandemic, and it's this has been the hardest thing I've ever had. To, uh, it's, it's you know, it's it could be career ending. So that's what's going bad: the constant, never-ending stress, uh, yeah. uh, living with my you know, parents, not working on the ships, not. Uh, not having another year of, of tax returns so I can finally get an a, a apartment as being a self-employed person, you know, mm-hmm. all, all this stuff, you know, everything that was supposed to happen in my career, but the, what's going right is it seems to be, I'm one of the few people that are working steadily. Um, that, that right there is, that's incredible, man. I mean, yeah, to... but, mm-hmm. well, but, but, but see, the reason why I have a hard time answering that question like the fact that I won't be able to run off to the gym until I've spent 15 minutes unpacking because my brain won't let me for my trip yesterday. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of stuff is like, why I can't say, Oh, things are going good, whatever. Because uh, even, even if I, somebody sent me a check for a million dollars, I'd still have to line up all the books on my shelf before I leave my office today. <laughs> no, I can, I, I can relate to that. I, I hear what you're saying. And so that's least, why be, being a comic is like the, almost like the weirdest job I could possibly have because like when you're constantly living out of a suitcase and in a different city and a different club meeting different people, like not having that type of routine. And it's like me, like I was a cruise ship comic uh, for the past few years. My routine, my like structure was knowing each coffee shop in each airport and which airport I could get my um, 45 minute walk in by walking on, on the underground tunnels instead of getting, you know, instead of taking, you know, the, the shuttle bus or the train, uh, knowing where the parks were in whatever city where I can go walk my five miles, where my favorite bookstore was, where my favorite restaurant was, um, knowing all the ports that the ships would go to and knowing that like next Tuesday I'll be able to go to this museum or whatever. So um, now um, what's, what's going bad in my life is the fact that uh, um, all the the work I put into, um, you know, my career, it seemed to be put on hold and what's going right is, is I found a way, you know, despite all the stress, despite all my struggles, but just from like working my butt off and through just, I don't know, sheer force of will, um, I've written like 45 minutes to an hour worth of material. Um, uh, I've got a second dry bar special. I um, released my uh, album. I um, done over 50 corporate Zoom shows for top corporations like um, Google and Amazon. Um, I, uh, I was able to um, book an, uh, an, uh, enough work for the uh, the second half of uh, 2020 that when I lost all my ship work, I still had clubs, you know, uh, on the books because I'm not a um, put your eggs in one basket type of guy. And a lot of my friends who were doing better than me on the ships and were had higher ratings and got more work um, didn't really have a reason to diversify their comedy portfolio yeah and because i was because i didn't get all the work i wanted from the cruise lines uh and i was doing great but you know um you know it it wasn't like it used to be where you can just make an easy six figures and just you know go out for a month and you never have to call anybody or email anybody you know what i mean Uh, yeah so so when i when i hear you talk about that transition uh from having something 
a plan in place. And it's clear from hearing you talk about um, uh, about some of your strengths and some of the things that you struggle with. Having a plan is incredibly important to you. Yeah, it is. And and why I was able uh, what's going right now is my plan for 2020 seems to be working, which was to save my act at all costs. It's like grab it's like like, you know, running in, grabbing the kids and the kitty cat uh, and then running out. Before that. Well, well, Jeff, I know for a lot of us, for a lot of us, it's difficult when mm-hmm. faced with the question of what's going well. And and my friend, I think you just answered it. Uh, you know, there are things that you struggle with. There are things that are difficult for you. There's things that you've had to overcome, but you have overcome that and you've been able to save your act. You've been able to continue to hone it. You've been able to write new material. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been able to find new outlets, Zoom, Zoom uh, shows and, and things like that, to where uh, you're able to still connect with audiences, still share that perspective that you did the mm-hmm. deep dive on uh, in the first half of this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I count that as a great success, man. Thanks. And I, I think I could crystallize it even more. What's going wrong is, is um, uh, I... I uh, don't have normal work uh, over the over the past month to prepare for my special in March like I normally would. But what's going well is I've, I, I, I'm driving to Indianapolis to do a show, driving to Detroit to do a show, doing Zoom shows, doing open mics, uh, doing all this stuff. I was going to open for Jeff Allen at, at Hilarities last night, and uh, he has two drive-by specials to do my 25-minute sets. He had he had to um, unfortunately he had to cancel. They moved me up to headline. Um, a friend of mine moved into my middle spot. He's doing a second dry bar. He ran his special. I, you know, so what's going right is by you know by um, you know be, you know by kind of like framing this like you know we're the rebels and you know I feel like you know we comics are the rebels in Star Wars. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And instead, of, instead of trying to destroy the, the, the Death Star, we're trying to get the, the Death Star to book us. And so the, the thing is, is last night, all the nuances, all the things I wanted to change about my bits to make them work for dry bar, the order that I wanted to do things in, all, like, you know, driving five hours to Indianapolis with my notes on my lap, you know, talking to myself, going over stuff, you know, and um, like today I did a half hour Zoom show and I tried to, to do, do as close to, to my dry bar set as possible. So what's going great is is I'm finding a way to get prepared for this special, but I would much rather have like six weeks of cruises or six um, A rooms where I'm headlining, making great money week after week to nail it. But even if I have to like call in favors and go to open mics or something like, like there's a showcase clubs, you know, there's 10 people there and their shows run by local comedians, but they'll let me go on for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm headlining um, uh, the open mic night at the funny stop on, um, uh, next week on a Wednesday because the owner will let me do 25 minutes at the end of the night. Yeah. And there'll probably be 10 people there and it's all comics but I'll be able to run that 25 minutes. So um, I feel that if you're a comic, um, all you really need to do to have things go right is to keep practicing your craft, keep finding ways uh, to um, 
to deal with the situation so that you can move forward and not stagnate. And, and, and the whole game now isn't about making money or about making big moves in the industry. What I'm doing now is I'm trying to persevere my work ethic, my act for whatever chance I get when things get back to normal. And I feel like our number one job right now is to be ready to go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, my friend. And, and, uh, you know, I really appreciate uh, you sharing. You hit on a lot of things there that uh, are struggles and a lot of the victories that are really on how you're addressing and overcoming those. And uh, I think that'll resonate with a lot of the people that listen to this podcast. I know it resonates with me uh, because, yeah, it's uh, it's if difficult. If you ever get a number one album on iTunes or, or Amazon, you have to go, I wrote that material. I and the artists and the record label spent a year coming up with the art design, putting it together. It is uh, people in a factory put it together. A couple of years ago or maybe five years ago, none of those ideas ever existed. I have an album that I can hand to people, that I can look at people. And people can go onto Amazon, or, or not now, because it, it was at number one when it came out, but then it dropped faster than Chris Rock's mic. Hey, um, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. But um, uh, and 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 go. I have a work of art that I created, and people yeah. can buy it and listen to it, and they can love it. And now anybody around the world can go on Spotify and look at my album. Well, and, and that's and that really brings us kind of full circle because you know you well, spent well, a lot of the time talking uh, in the first half on the importance of having some problem that your work solves the importance right. of being able to express yourself in a way that uh, is meaningful to the people that are listening to it. And mm -hmm. again, this just kind of brings us full circle back to well, where, yeah. you know, the, the end result, if, if you do it that way, if there, if it's more than a collection of knock, knock jokes, or if it's more than something like that, if it's art, if it's something that you've poured your, your life into and you've well, overcome wonder, things, you know, yeah, then exactly. you end up with something that, is well, of great value to a lot of people. Yeah, well, the punchline to that story was, if, if you think that about your number one iTunes album or your number Amazon album, that's what you need to think. What you you can't think is, I only needed to sell 30 copies to make number one. Because yeah. that, that's in reality all you need to do. Yeah. Uh, you can send a bunch of Facebook posts out and you can get a number one album, but it's not about that. It's about looking on the chart, being a kid who used to listen to comedy club out uh, comedy albums when from the library when you're seven years old, looking on an official site and seeing your album is number one and it's next to all these other great albums, and that is how you get enjoyment. You enjoy those victories. You, you don't go, you know, if you if what you want is to see the album there and see people enjoying it, then a number one album means something. But if you want to make a million dollars, you need more than a number one album. You need that album to be selling thousands of copies and you need to be doing theaters and you need to be whatever. And, and a lot of that could be done with management. A lot of that can be done through specific measures, but a lot of it's luck. You know, so um, well, yeah, you know, I, I come from a recovery background and it oh, comes okay. up oftentimes in, in my everyday life and in my comedy and in my podcasting. It's uh, it's definitely a cornerstone of my life. And one of the tenets in that is that there are things that are under our control 
and there are mm-hmm. things that are not under our control. And if we can focus our efforts and our energies on the things that are under our control, we're going to end up a lot happier. I think that's that's what I'm hearing in in your discussion on uh, number one versus a uh, uh, million dollars. There are so many things involved in you know the the million dollar mark of success uh, that are outside our control. You know we need to focus our efforts on things that are under our control. If I'm hearing you right, is that right? Right. Yeah. So I, I just think that, um, that what's going bad is that, you know, our, you know, my career is just totally upended, but what's going right is, as I'm finding a way to grow, to create, to work, um, uh, even, you know, uh, so I think that's, what's going right is I'm, I'm in the game, but I think what's the, 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 the biggest cause of stress in my life is what now, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's like what you know. I mean, the fear that our inf- the infrastructure of the of the industry has been damaged uh, so much that you know um, our ships ever going to come back the way that they did? Um, you know what's going to happen with corporate gigs? You know this and that, whatever. But what I, what I've learned though is that um, that you have much better chance of things working out if you prepare and you, you, you hustle because I, not all to that. That's, yeah. Because yeah. when, when you, when you find a way to keep working during the pandemic, whether it's finding the few clubs that are open and, you know, and, you know, learning how to work smart so you don't get sick or get other sick or whether it's you know doing Zoom shows, or there are people who create their own type of thing. There are guys who become like uh, become Zoom hosts for corporations. You know, they're just like more of a professional host than a comedian. There, uh, there's all kinds of people that have thrived, you know, during um, this pandemic through different approaches. Look at all the big comedy clubs like Flappers that have a whole big, you know. Um, virtual show infrastructure like you know they have an online university for taking classes online they've done a couple comedy festivals online they have headline shows they have open mics every night you know uh, the club's still not making a lot of money but it, they're still open they're still giving comments they're doing it yeah they're still yeah. doing it you know yeah. and so um the key there is is uh when you stay alive you're flexing a certain type of uh, you're a certain set of muscles that when things are going great, uh, you're going to be even more successful. Yeah. Well, that's that's a, a great note to to wrap this up. And again, I just so appreciate uh, you sharing your your insights on how things have kind of developed for you as far as your voice and as far as the purpose behind comedy. How some of the ways that you've overcome uh, the things that you've dealt with. Uh, and and some of the things that you're doing right now as we speak to try to address this disruption in our industry, especially you uh, having the cruise line as a cornerstone. Uh, you just, you, in the short time that we've talked together, uh, I feel comfortable and confident in what your future holds for you, Jeff. I think the work ethic that you referenced, I think that uh, um, your ability to address and overcome things, uh, that's going to pay off. And like you said, when the timing shifts, when the momentum shifts, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be positioned and ready, my friend. Thanks. And I just want to add one last thing. Uh, part of that, uh, part of that, uh, uh, came from, I'm a older generation comic that, that's learned how to, uh, how I've helped find my voice 
is by not being afraid of the younger comics that are 10 times better than me, not being afraid mm. of like all the comics today that get specials when they're 25, all the young comics, um, you know, in their early thirties that, you know, with Showtime specials, Tom Segura's the Bill, well, Bill Burr's not that much younger than me, like 10 years, you know, all these <laughs> comics is, is I've, embrace those things and incorporating modern comedic sensibilities and, 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 and watching, like I look at the open micers that, that, you know, these open micers in Cleveland, I mean, they put together these wonderful shows where, you know, you don't get any money, but you get that the owner pays you, you get to 10, 15 minutes, uh, they're packed. And these kids hustle, they're promoting, you know, most of these acts, their flyers are better than their acts. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, how was my set? You know, when, when, when you can be as, when you can be as funny as your f- online Facebook flyer is catchy, you're going to be a star. But the whole thing is, is I learn from these guys. I learn how to, um, to promote myself better to how to, how to use Facebook, how to use Instagram, you know what I mean? So, um, I think the, the key to, uh, finding your voice is to learn. And, um, uh, here's a comic who I think is much better than I am. And uh, uh, Steve Hofstetter, and he has the um, the Nowhere Comedy Club and the Social Distancing Social Club. I mean, what he the the amount of hustle this dude has and the way he does things is amazing. I might not be as good as him and I might not have have come up with a, a unique or lucrative, you know, hustle during this as he did with the Nowhere Comedy Club. But the thing is, is if you can't be as good as somebody else or do what they do, then be inspired by what they do and take a little bit of it, you know, uh, inspiration wise, not like copying it. And then, um, and if you embrace it and, and learn from it, um, like you're, you're going to, your, your game is going to improve. Jeff, I think you and I, uh, we're very close to the same age. We went to different high schools together. Um, I, I'm, uh, so glad to hear you uh, talk about embracing, um, what you can learn from younger comics and, and how the, that has only improved what you do. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for being on the show. Is, is there, um, um, there's album, there's dry bars, there's things like that. What is the best way for people to learn uh, about Jeff Shaw? Uh, my website, comedian, You mentioned, uh, your, uh, next, uh, dry bar special is recording March 12th. Um, and, our understanding is it it always takes time for them to get that all ready to go. We don't know exactly when that's coming up, but we'll be sure to uh, run your episode again and promote it uh, when that does come out. Um, uh, uh, from your um, your website, uh, social media, and things like that, do you have a, a favorite uh, way for people to interact with you? I'm big on um, Facebook. I'm not. I don't like communicating on any platform where I can. I have to use my phone to do it. Right. I, I check things on my phone, but I communicate and work on my computer. I love Twitter. That's like, um, uh, 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 that's how I like, uh, that's my favorite because it's joke based. I was known as Jeff, the fun dude on, on the cruise ships. Um, it was like my nickname and, uh, all my social media is at Jeff, the fun dude, but I have a book. It's called the fun dude's guide to cruising for anybody who likes humor books like Dave Barry. I'm proud of that book because it's, um, a uh, a punchline every sentence, a joke every sentence. Wow! Like you know, like 125 pages of like 
of just jokes about the cruising industry. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the Clean Comedy Time podcast. Uh, just an absolute pleasure talking with you. Sure. Thank you. You guys have been enjoying the podcast. Hopefully I'll do one of your showcases sometime. Uh, that would be a pleasure. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Man, that would be a, a treat. Thanks for listening to the Clean Comedy Time podcast. We bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases, fundraisers, and other events. Our shows are free from course language and topics. They work for anyone, anywhere. Check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring Clean Comedy Time to you. 